Well, welcome back to Sisters and Scrubs, who is back in the studio after a very mm. long hiatus. Very long. It's exciting to mm. be back in the basement <laughs> recording. In the dungeon. Went back from Paris. Went back from all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Paris was wonderful. So good. We made so it good. just in time. Yeah. No, just ri- no time. rioting while we were there. No, no rioting, no trash. No. I absolutely love the catacombs. Laura was unimpressed. I, no, I wasn't them. unimpressed. It was impressive. But not as... But I feel like I got it. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. I don't need to keep walking through right. and seeing more and more and more skulls. Right. But I, I did was, like... It the... was very impressive. I mean, it's cool, but it... Like, of all the things we did... Versailles was pretty impressive. The size. The sheer size. It, it's ridiculous. I could not believe... Nobody should have to... I mean, the sheer size. The chapel in there is bigger than, I don't know, my block. Like, yeah, it, was, it was ridiculous. Bigger than any church, I think, in the United States. Yeah. Was, Absolutely gorgeous. Yes. So um, we are now this week, we had an email. I don't know when we read it, but we read it because now I can't remember how fast. I know. But um, one of our listeners brought up fires, like uh, her idea was fires in the operating room or the hyperbaric chamber fires. Mm -hmm. So we are going to cover that today. Yes, we are. We listen. Today. But I want to preface with um, when you were trying to find information on wrongdoings of hospitals, mm. it's near impossible. Yeah, it's very difficult. Very difficult. Mm-hmm. Very, very difficult. Yes. I'm very distracted by Mike's Twilight Zone pictures under the TV. I don't know what that is. I came down um, here to work Well, there's the, the pig face. And there's them. the kid. I forgot what that... I've seen every one of those episodes, and um, it's very distracting. Rod's, that came with the viewing thing that they sent us. Remember? What? Rod Sterling. And the Twilight Zone CBS sent us like a party pack for the new show. <laughs> No. <laughs> we had a whole party. Mike has the most We had a party? Yeah. I was there? I wasn't there. Clearly, I wasn't there. But he's got all this random Twilight Zone episode yeah, like people. And, um, cups and it's hanging under his TV, so it's very distracting because it's all I'm staring at right now. Sorry. Um, so anyway, because <laughs> now I'm thinking, like, oh, my God, that episode was the best. Um, the pig face one? I'd so the pig face one, one episode of Twilight the whole Zone. episode is based around this woman who's had plastic surgery because she's so ugly and she's so unattractive and they finally take the wrappings off and she's stunning mm-hmm. and everybody looks like the pig face people and she looks in the mirror and bursts into tears because she's so ugly because she should be pig faced right. she should be pig faced I think the guy with the glasses all he wanted to do is read uh-huh. and so he finds something that will stop time and he does it, but then he breaks his glasses. So he's in the library with all the books he's always wanted to read, and he can't read them because he can't see. And he has stopped time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Twilight Zone. And I forgot what the kid one was. The kid was a little asshole in it. I remember that. Apparently, you remember he, like, they sent us like wine, and we got Chinese food that day. Are you out of your mind? This never happened. Um, this is the Twilight Zone. <laughs> this like, never happened. I had like that... Um, I had some like a boil on my leg and a boil, a boil on your leg. What is this? The thirteen? No, but seriously, we're in the did twilight zone right now. This did not happen. You're just making a boil up. anymore. Yeah. He's making it up. I am not. Did you have a goiter too? I had a goiter on my neck with the boil I on my leg. Literally, no idea what he's talking about. I'll find pictures of it. But there was of your boil? No, of the oh. twilight zone party. Of the boil on his ass. Oh, yeah, I don't want to see the boil. Can I lance it? <laughs> That's what the conversation was about at the party. Like, you wanted to lance it then. Like, what well, party? People were? <laughs> I, I was not at this party. I saw it. I've never known Mike with a boil anywhere in his body. <laughs> I would have lanced it 100%. I would have been the first one with an 11 Oh, was boy. it on your thigh? Yep. 
Oh, I do remember a boy on that. I don't remember a potty, though. Well, I mean, I love this family that has a potty based around a boil. <laughs> boil potties. I mean, hello. I've never ever thrown a party over a fucking cyst, but whatever. I still don't know what he's talking about. Okay. All right. Anyways. We should actually get back to the fight. This really has nothing to do with what we were talking about. Literally nothing. We're on a tangent. All right. So Laura's going to kick it off with hyperbaric chambers. Yeah, I'm going to try to. Okay. Um, so I got this information from mayoclinic.org and Healthline. Um dot com and uhc.org um hyperbaric oxygen therapy delivers pure oxygen to the body to pr- promote natural healing okay okay it takes place in a pressurized chamber now it can either be a one person chamber which is like a tube you lay in mm-hmm. or it can be a room that multiple people can have the therapy at the oh, same wow. time i didn't, I didn't know, know that they had rooms. um so this the chamber is filled with pure Oxygen, 100% O2. Is that the same thing they use for the bends? Yes, they use hyperbaric chamber. So the air pressure in the chamber is raised to encourage the body to absorb the increased O2. So you have 100% oxygen and then there's pressure in the chamber that makes your body like absorb Mm -hmm. all the oxygen in there. Oops. Um, The air in the chamber, like I said, is 100% oxygen. The air we normally breathe is about 21% oxygen. So the it's a ridiculous amount of oxygen. Highly flammable. Yes. Highly. Um, the air pressure is slowly increased in the chamber as you sit there or lay there to two to three times our atmospheric pressure. So it's to force it into very system. high pressure to force all that O2 into you. It allows more oxygen into the plasma and encourages growth of healthy tissue. It is used to treat crush injuries. If you have a crush injury... You know, the blood flow stops going to that area. The tissue begins to die because oh, there's sorry. no blood flow. So if you have a crush injury, it pushes oxygen in. So that area is Things getting I never knew it was oxygen. used for. No. I thought it was just for the bends. I know. Um, it's used for um, carbon monoxide poisoning, cyanide poisoning. It pushes yeah. out like all the poison gases. Um, it's used for severe anemia, sudden vision loss, air or gas embolism. Like wounds, like wound healing, like for like a diabetic foot ulcer. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gangrene, mm-hmm. chronic pain, which I didn't. Laura, you're gonna have to turn the sound off. I, on your I phone. know. Well, if my husband going. would stop texting me, he's I don't in the know room with me. Never had the sound on your phone. Um, <laughs> chronic pain, reduced blood flow to arteries, decompression sickness, which is the bends, um, burns, anti antibiotic resistant infections. Oh wow! And Sudden, complete hearing loss with no other reason for the. I've never loss. heard it used for any of this stuff. No, this I had no crazy. idea you could use this for like in just an right. infection. Um, the treatment increases the oxygenation of the blood and improves the blood circulation to tissue that may have been O2 Damaged. deprived. Um, by saturating the blood with O2, it helps move poisonous gases out of the body quickly. So if you have carbon monoxide poison poisoning, all that oxygen will help move up that up. gas. Um, it builds and repairs blood cells. It stimulates collagen project production, which is important in the health of skin. So it promotes like skin grafts. So if you were a burn patient, you had skin grafts. It promotes the healing wow. of the skin grafts. Never knew any of this. No. It promotes wound healing by reducing swelling in a wound. So that allows the surrounding tissue to receive the O2. Because if it's swollen, it's nothing not, can get yeah. in there. So it decreases the swelling. In it, so it allows that tissue to receive the oxygen and other nutrients needed to heal. Um, hyperbaric. Therapy increases the concentration of oxygen in the blood, which promotes strong cells to better fight infection. So you have an infection. Not only does it help that site, it helps your cells build better. Mm-hmm. Exposing bacteria to increased oxygen helps 
disabled deadly toxins that cannot live in an O2-rich environment. Like gangrene. Right. So if you have these toxins in your body, they cannot live in an oxygen-rich environment, so this environment will kill those toxins. Um, it can also boost white blood cells, making them more efficient at detecting and eliminating infections. It can increase your pain threshold and physical functionality of patients with chronic chronic musculoskeletal pain. Never heard of any of this. No, so you have like chronic, you know, like hip pain or uh, joint pain or whatever. Foot pain. You can use this therapy and it increases your pain threshold, which is just Never bizarre to me. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, it reduces gas bubble obstructions, which can be fatal. Um, those are seen in divers and miners. Um, nitrogen bubbles release as the body returns to sea level, like when you're scuba diving. And they can block the flow of blood, which can lead to a stroke or a heart attack. So the yeah. hyperbaric therapy, um, it shrinks Pushes these it bubbles and helps your body dissolve them. And then when you when you gradually come out, because the pressure in the chamber gradually releases, as you gradually come out, the the bubbles come Didn't out. Didn't one of our surgeons have that and he had to be in a chamber? In like oh, Tahiti. yeah. He was really like he ended up with like a chest tube and everything. Yeah, he put the chest tube in himself. Remember? They had it. Yeah, they had. But he had, to, he be had to be in the chamber. chamber. I think, yeah. It helps get all those gas bubbles out. Um, it also prevents reperfusion injuries. Reperfusion injuries occur when blood flow returns to the tissue that has been oxygen deprived for an extended period of time. So if you have no blood flow to your foot for whatever reason, you can get a severe injury when the blood flow goes back there. Yeah. Um. Potential risks. It's pretty safe. Hyperbaric therapy is pretty safe. Potential risks are middle ear injuries, like it can cause your um eardrum to rupture. Yeah, because the, the pressure and stuff. Yeah. Um, it can cause temporary nearsightedness, but it goes away. <laughs> I can only do, I can't see. Yeah, it, cause, it can cause a lung collapse because of the pressure. Um, it can cause seizures. Ox- I guess um you can get like an oxygen toxicity that can cause a seizure. And it can cause lower blood sugars in patients that are diabetic okay. on insulin. Um, it can also cause a fire. And oxygen. Well, I would think it's because oxygen. Right? Oxygen is extremely flammable. And it's a high, high, the highest level of oxygen you can get. So it is extremely flammable, highly flammable. And should you should only, it should only be done by a federally approved facility. You right. shouldn't go to someone's little <laughs> shack. Backyard, garage, and go into a hyperbaric chamber. <laughs> Um, when you go to have hyperbaric therapy, um, the facility will should provide all cotton like scrubs or mm-hmm. gown or something for you to change into. You should remove any um, petroleum based like skin products or anything because that can cause it. be flammable. And um, make sure there's no batteries. You don't have your phone on you. you don't have metal on you. You don't nothing. have a lighter on you. Like nothing a present <laughs> that can spark. Here's a candle while you in there. I know. Um, and like I said, it can be one person or you can be in there with a bunch of people. Um, so fire safety and the hyperbaric oxygen therapy is extremely important. Um, for fire to occur, you have to have three conditions met. That is, there must be adequ- adequate fuel, sufficient oxygen, and an ignition source. You are in a hyperbaric chamber with 100% oxygen, so you have sufficient oxygen to mm-hmm. cause a fire. Um, there's always fuel present in the form of cloth, paper, what like it's in the room right, right? like they're chatting things you're right. in a cloth gown like there's something there that can be used as fuel um so the risk is extremely extremely high and because it's enclosed and pressurized in that chamber it's impossible to quickly open the door 
because it is pressurized. So damn, you cannot rapidly evacuate if there is a fire. Um, It is also difficult um, to ventilate the smoke and fumes because you can't open it. Um, So because of all this, fire safety is like the most important thing in a hyperbaric therapy setting. Um, If the fire does occur, the chamber is equipped with extensive fire suppression systems. There's a fire hose inside the chamber. Wow. Um, that an attendant could use to manually put out Extinct. the fire. The chamber is equipped with a deluge system, <laughs> which can be activated by the inside attendant, the outside attendant, or by an automatic system. Um, when activated, it releases huge sprays of water that saturate like every Everything. surface, so it should be out. Um, so... This article says there's never been a fire-related fatality in a patient treatment chamber in North America because of these strict adherences. I'm going to tell you of one story. (laughs) Um, To minimize the chance of fire, there's like a million protocols. Fuel. So highly flammable materials such as grease, oil, and like I said, petroleum products are not allowed in the chamber. Cosmetics and hairsprays are not allowed in the chamber. The amount of paper and cloth are minimized, like, as much as humanly possible. And fire retardant materials used wherever you can. Um, for ignition sources, any source of flame or spark is not allowed in the chamber. This includes lighters, smoking materials, hand warmers, any non-approved electronic devices. All lighting is done through indirect methods. And patients and staff are required to wear 100% cotton garments since these um, minimize the risk of a um, static. Okay. It's the yep, static yep, spot yep. can cause a fire in yep. that chamber. Um, and they don't release toxic fumes. So if there was one, it's you wouldn't be breathing in toxic fumes. And they don't melt onto your skin. Um, and then the oxygen concentration. The oxygen concentration in the chamber is constantly monitored. They watch it. They make sure it doesn't get too high. Um, to do that, they compress the chamber with air rather than pure oxygen. They have patients breathe oxygen through an enclosed hood system that exhausts outside of the chamber, and they continually vent the chamber to wash out any oxygen that may be leaking from the patient's breathing system. So they do watch mm-hmm. that it's not you know just sitting in like a puddle of oxygen. <laughs> um, so that had said that was in two thousand. I got that from two thousand seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um, from the Daily Mail. <laughs> in. Oh, you know what. That was wrong because, so I, unless this place, this place that this death happened at might not have been like federally approved. approved. So, um, in 2009, um, <laughs> a woman, well, I can't, hold on. Okay. I was getting confused. Her name's Vincenza. I was like, no, that's the son. It's Francesca. Oh my okay. God. In two, May 1st, 2009, Vincenza Pesci and her grandson, Francesco Martinese were in a hyperbaric treatment chamber. Facility. They had traveled from Italy to, to Fort to... Lauderdale by the sea, or Lauderdale by yeah. the sea, whatever it's called, to have this hyperbaric treatment. He Francesco had cerebral palsy, oh. so they thought this would help him yeah. in some way. Um, the both of them were inside the treatment chamber for about 20 minutes when a spark ignited. And created a huge deadly inferno. Oh, my God. They were trapped in the blaze for about five minutes. Oh, my God. And were burned over 90% of their bodies before the chamber could be opened. I can't believe they weren't dead. Well, 
They were rushed to the hospital. Um, the grandmother died the next day. I'm sure they were dead. Um, and the grandson died on like June 10th. So like a month later, he died from his injuries. Poor baby. Yep. They were recorded as accidental resulting from thermal injuries. Mm-hmm. So, of course, this is looked into. Oh, huge. Yeah. It was caused by a static electric shock in the chamber. They, so like I said, they have to put on cotton clothing, no jewelry, no cosmetics, no nothing. Um, Mrs. Pesci had on like metal rings like on her pants, like she had on like regular pants. Um, The chamber, they said it was wicked cluttered. There was like an electric extension cord in there. That was held together with duct tape. Oh, my God. Um, There was things all over the place. They were like, they said, the detective said, it was cluttered. I mean, you can tell the chambers were hammed up in there together. They were trying to get in as many chambers as they could in there, which obviously they were interested in volume as opposed to care. So sketch, man. Yeah. Um, There were no maintenance or inspection locks at the facility. Um. Neither of the victims have been wearing grounding bracelets that prevent, they put them on to prevent static mm-hmm. shocks. Um, they were not wearing 100% cotton scrubs. And like I said, she had like metal loops on her pants for whatever reason. And the Francesco was wearing a flammable diaper. Oh, good. And baby, baby wipes containing alcohol were also in the chamber. Oh my God. So they bring up the man that owned the hyperbaric therapy place, Dr. George DeViglis. Um, he ran the facility. And they also arrested um, Lance Bark, who was the chief safety technician at Ocean Hyperbaric Neurologic Center, and charged them with murder. Murder. Wow. Yeah. They've just... They, didn't so they do don't anything. know exactly what... It was just a uh, static, yeah, some one of those things. There was 45 things in there that right. could have caused it. Some static wow. shock. Those poor kids came over looking for help. I know, the poor thing. Oh, my God. From Italy, They came from Italy. A, to Florida. why'd you go to Florida? Yeah, exactly. Um, No offense, Florida. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> health care's a little, there's a lot going on down there. But you can't, like, these are things, like, you cannot. You can't go to people's basements. You can't go to people's garages. You you go to a medical facility. Like, I think we have one at the Iron Air. Do we have a hyperbaric chamber? The, in Boston, yeah. yeah there's one at the Iron Air. The Iron Air. Um, but you, yeah, yeah, go to a hospital. You could, yeah. In like, you can't jimmy rig stuff at a hyperbaric <laughs> chamber. Like, you cannot jimmy rig an extension people cord. People get complacent. They just get complacent. That's the thing. Like, nothing's going to happen because yeah. nothing had happened. Right. These two people burned to death inside of a chamber they couldn't get open. When I first started at our facility, um, I mean, I started in the early 90s. And you could still see, obviously, we had not been using, using ether for a very long time. Mm. But there was still a lot of things in there for ether. Because back in the day, ether was highly flammable mm-hmm. in the OR. So you had to make like the ring stands, everything would have chains to prevent static electricity mm-hmm. from coming in. Your shoe covers would have little tabs on yep. them to prevent static electricity. There was all these things to prevent operating room fires. Right. Today, we have other reasons for concerns mm-hmm. of operating room fires. And I got my information from the American Society of Anesthesiology, volume 130, pages 492. 501. Oh, wow. All right. And this article came out March of 2019. Okay. So most facilities today now, you do your timeout. 
before you start a procedure. And part of the timeout is um, risk of fire, mm-hmm. high risk, low risk. And I will honestly admit I am one of those complacent people. I'm like, yeah, it's low risk, you know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> then I read these articles. I'm like, I'm going to take this a lot more fucking serious because it really gets into why you're telling the surgeon specifically right. if this is high risk or low risk. Okay. So um, you have high, low, you have ignition sources, et cetera, in the OR. And like I just said, I, I, you know, I go through it, but I don't take it as serious as I should. And now you mm-hmm. know why you should take it. We're going to talk about it. OR fires occur at least 650 times annually. Jesus. Resulting in at least two to three patient deaths per year. And I did look up many articles to go through this. All of them cite this exact statistic. Mm-hmm. Um, operating rooms are an O2 enriched environment, as Laura just explained why that's a problem, mm-hmm. with many ignition sources. Um, the American Society of Anesthesiologists, they break it down uh, by disciplines and risks. So for techs and circulators, we are what, like she talked about the fuel, the ignition source, and the oxidator. That's the third piece mm-hmm. to it. Surgical, uh, surgical techs and circulators wear the fuel. We have drapes, blankets, gowns, sponges, gauze, skin preps, alcohol-based skin preps, um, which you're prepping sometimes the patient's hair, the patient's skin. Mm-hmm. Everything now becomes highly um, flammable. ET tubes, masks, nasal cannulas, you have um, the tags, intestinal gases. Those mm-hmm. all will become fuel on a patient. The surgeon is the ignition source. Mm -hmm. He has a bovi. He'll be using lasers, light sources. The defibrillator can be an Mm -hmm. ignition source. High-speed drills and burrs can be ignition sources. And anesthesia is your oxidizer. Why? All their gases. Mm -hmm. They have nothing but gases up there. So most OR fires occur on the actual patient. Mm -hmm. Um, Laser will ignite anesthesia gases. Bovies ignite the drapes and alcohol burns will uh or alcohol pooling around a patient can be ignited mm-hmm. bovies are the most common ignition source of or fires and for people who do not are not in the or but listen to us which i hopefully is a ton of people <laughs> the bovi is an electric cautery mach- um pencil and they use it um to cauterize blood vessels they use it constantly in surgery back you know 100 years ago it was all ties and mm-hmm. suture now we use this it cuts down time literally um but it is it's electric mm-hmm. so it's electric, it's electric. Doot, doot, doot. it's electric so it's a huge ignition source mm-hmm. in 2011 lauren wargo 20 years old went in to have a mole removed from her face now you're going to find most of these our faces faces oh our faces oh our burns are on the face because that's where the oxygen is coming in mm-hmm. Um, the bovi ignited gases or prep, they're not sure, and she had a flash fire over her face. Oh. She woke up from this small surgery in searing pain. She and her family were told that there was an accident in the mm-hmm. operating room. She was permanently scarred from the incident, and she continues to have eye problems from it, oh. from this flash. And she was only 20 when this happened. Um, then you have Vincent. I don't even know what I wrote. Vincent Anthony, I think his name was. He's an army vet in Florida. He went in to have a cyst removed from his forehead. Mm-hmm. The bovi caught the surgical drapes around his face on fire. He is quoted as saying, it just shot into my nose and burned up my nose oh. inside and out. My lips were cooked, my ears, my eyes, everything. He was covered in second to third degree burns <gasps> on his face. Oh. 
He has recovered from the injuries, and he has settled, obviously, mm-hmm. a lovely lawsuit with that hospital. Um, this was kind of sad. In August of 2013, this poor lady, I know, like, you're going to hear the age, you're going to be like, really? She's 89 years old, all right? Um, it doesn't really say what she was having done, mm-hmm. but she went in for something to have done, and she was doing it so she could go to her great-granddaughter's wedding in New York City. So mm-hmm. this is happening in Florida. Um so she's at Holy Cross Hospital for a routine procedure. The anesthesiologist had her on eight liters of oxygen via a nasal cannula. Okay, first of all, a nasal cannula should never only be up to about two to three liters. You would never pump eight liters because it's going to blow the shit out of your nose. But that is creating a just tidal wave of oxygen mm-hmm. coming out of her face. Uh, the O2 ignited from that uh, nasal cannula because of the bovie and 25% of her body was burned from the chest up. She's burned on her face, her chest, her oral and nasal mucosa surfaces. Because yeah, well, the oxygen's pouring. The- right. And-, and when you see the pictures of her, I mean, she's intubated and you, you can't even see her face because it's just covered in gauzes. So she dies five months later and they say it's, you know, it wasn't because of the, the burns. Okay. She's 89 years old. It wouldn't take much for burns to go. So in these three cases, there were issues with lack of uh, communication among surgical staff and staff unaware of what to do if there is a fire. I personally have witnessed one of our surgical techs get burned when the argon beam was sitting on her stomach and the surgeon wasn't paying attention, hit it. She took a ray right to the stomach. Hurt like a motherfucker. I'm petrified of the argon beam. That's like a ray of yeah, it, fire. Yeah, it's like literally like, like shooting no. on fire and that burned that pit. that girl was out for a little bit um one of the circulators was plugging the bovie in and it um i don't know what it did but she got an electric shock from it she was out for like a week because oh, of really? it. remember i can't name her no. obviously but yeah she was out for a while with it uh i've watched the when you do laparco- laparoscopic surgery there's a light source mm-hmm. i've seen if you don't pay attention to the light source and you don't have it hooked up to the camera and the circulator turns it up on high it will burn through the drapes mm-hmm. i've witnessed that multiple times um, and Bovie's burning the sponges because they're not paying attention or right. whatever. I mean, you have to pay attention when you're using these things. And they come little holsters. You really should be using the holsters. They're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you burn somebody and you're not using the holster, guess what? That's on you. Your ass is fired. So approaches to prevent fires in the OR. The risk assessment before the start of every case. This is why you take it serious. You need to acknowledge if you're doing a facial surgery, they've got a nasal cannula. The surgeon needs to be aware. I'm pumping eight liters of O2 through her nose. Right. You may not want to use a bovie in this, or you may want to just use, you know, silvadine sticks or something mm-hmm. that's not going to ignite. Um, you need to know if you're going to be working above the xiphoid or below, because the closer you get to the chest, the closer you are to the gases from the anesthesia machine and the O2 source. Mm-hmm. Um, alcohol-based prep solutions, you should, you have to let them dry. You can't allow them to pool on the sides Mm -hmm. of the patient because those also become an ignition source. And you're ranking low, medium, or high risk when you're doing these. Uh, communication among the team members, key. Absolutely key. Always. Verbalizing the risks, like I said. If it's high risk, what's the plan? What are we going to do? Like, I have been in laser cases where the surgeon's like, okay, if there's a fire... Do you have an extra thing of saline? Yes, I do. Do you have wet towels? Yes, I do. Like if you're mm-hmm. doing a laser case, you're putting, you have extra sponges soaked ready to go. You have extra towels ready to go. You mm-hmm. have an extra basin just in case because mm-hmm. lasers are very dangerous. Uh, you speak up immediately if you see a fire. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? That's like 
above anything. So above the xiphoid, I use avoid using any kind of open O2 delivery like nasal cannulas or a face mask. If you're operating on the face, you might want to just think about tubing them. Mm-hmm. Um, communication between the surgeon and the anesthesia about the procedures around the face that are going to have an O2 enriched environment. Mm-hmm. Anesthesia taking precautions to decrease high flow O2 if they know they're going to be in there. You know, mix it with air or something. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be on 100% O2. Um, and use sometimes if you're doing um, throat procedures or stuff, they may use a fire resistant ET tube. Mm-hmm. Manage your fuels. Try to avoid using, oh, we used to use straight alcohol in yeah. for prep. Yeah. The red alcohol. White and red. White. <laughs> Try to avoid. We al- used two different alcohols yes. <laughs> And we kept the jugs, yeah. the jugs the, of it in yeah. the OR. So avoid using, if you can, alcohol-based preps. Leave adequate time, drying times, like I said. Make sure they don't pull around the patient. Um, removed any soil. So we'll put chucks around our patients if they're going to prep. Mm-hmm. And then when they're done, we take them. Betadine itself can burn a patient mm-hmm. if you leave it on. Some of these alcohols, if you leave them on too long, they will burn. Um, arrange drapes. If you're doing a facial procedure, drapes will collect the gases in the O2. Right, make sure they're venting. So you want to make sure that mm-hmm. you have plenty of room around the face to vent out the um, the gases from it. If you Like I said, if you use a towel, a laser, make sure everything's wet, you have more stuff to use. If it's truly a high risk, you may not want to use a, bi- uh, a bovi at all and just use a bipolar mm-hmm. or something that's not going to spark. If a surgical fire occurs, God forbid, you're going to stop the flow of all airway gases immediately. Anesthesia may tell you if ever, outside of every operating room we have gas shutoffs. They'll go over those and tell you just go out and shut the gases off to the room. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to pour each, uh, water or saline on spots that, to extinguish the fire. You're going to remove all drapes of burning materials off of the patient. Because mm-hmm. they said to a lot of these fires, they didn't even know what to do when the fire happened. Yeah. They just were like, well, oh, they're on fire. Like, no, you've got to take action. Right. Get everything on. Yep. Use um, a fire extinguisher. And we all, if you work in a hospital, mm-hmm. you know what race means. Yeah. Um, Laura, do you want to cover what race is for our non-hospital uh, people? Oh, my God. Rescue. Rescue. Alarm. Mm-hmm. Con- contain. Yep. And evacuate. Yep. No, extinguish. Extinguish. Evacuate or extinguish, right. whichever one you can do. Um, then thoroughly assess your burn injuries on your poor patient. Apply dry style dressings, no ointments or salves. Um, assess airway, assess patient or, or and or our personnel for smoke inhalation. And take your time out seriously. That's my take your time out seriously, Nicole. I was trying to really dig deep on finding some serious stories, but like I said, if it's hospital involved. You're just getting a clip from the news of what happened. They right. really don't want to talk about it. Most of my information came from lawyer websites because that's right. who is the only one who's going to talk about right. it because now it's been settled. Right. Um, do you want to read? We have an email have this an email. week that we can talk about. Okay. It says, hi, Laura, Nicole. I discovered your podcast in early 2022 after seeing you guys on TikTok. Oh, yeah. I've been a nurse for 31 years. I'm not sure how that's possible. Eek. Because in my brain, I'm only 27 years old. Same, baby. Same. And then I look in the mirror and get that rude awakening. (laughs) Still worse. (laughs) I love your approach to all the way crap we go through. You guys have an irreverent way of making the most mundane medical information engaging. As of today, I hope this is very (laughs) engaging because I was like drying my eyes trying to get through it. Well, plus we're hugging all of us. So it's Oh, my God. I need to get my ice cream. I know. It's on the deck. (laughs) Have you done? Would you consider doing a piece about school nurses and the crazy stuff that goes on there? Mm -hmm. I promise it's not all ice packs and band-aids, but that would be a good hook for an episode. My background is adult CVICU, which is cardiovascular ICU, 
But somehow I've been a school nurse the last six years. Wow, that's a jump. Yeah. Um, I actually told an instructor in nursing school that I would never be a school nurse. Bad move on my part since she hated me <laughs> after that, but oh well. <laughs> I'm also a clinical nursing instructor on the, on the side, and I recommend you guys to my students. Oh, thank you. Thanks again for making my afternoon dog walks fun, and let me know if I can help. All the best. Um, Martha. Thank you, I, Martha. I, I worked public health nursing for a while, and we worked hand-in-hand hand with the school nurses. It ain't no joke. I think oh it's really God. hard, and I they wouldn't have, want anything to and do there's, with it. You've got one nurse in a school of, what, 1,200 kids, Easy. right? Easy. Riddling with the meds and the tube feeds. And, yeah. I mean, it, diabetes. Are, ins- like, it's insane. Yeah. You should see what they have to grab if there's a field trip or a, or oh, yeah. a fire they get to grab. Like, I went into the middle school for my son. I was actually interviewing to see if she needed, like, substitutes. She had like a, sh- you know, the shoe racks and the- mm-hmm. it's full of fucking Ritalin and, and, and inhalers. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I, I, uh, and I'm going to wind up killing somebody's kid. They have so much on yeah. their plates. It's unbelievable. We should do. We so should maybe back that. to school. We'll cover yeah, the school nurses. Right we might yeah. do that at the end of the summer series, which we haven't developed yet. So it's send fine. your ideas in because we'd love to hear them. <laughs> you <laughs> guys are really, we are getting some great ideas. So keep yeah, them coming. Thank you. Um, we are preparing for the summer and I have no idea. I was thinking since I broke out. I went away and I broke out in a full body sun rash. It's really Maybe gross. we'll cover sun rashes. Okay. <laughs> Sunstroke, heat stroke, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah. I did get an email or not an email, a text from a friend saying uh, he thoroughly enjoyed the aneurysm episode. Oh, well, okay. well Nicole did such a good job. She did a good job. I he, and I was, he's not one to throw compliments around and you know who you are, Paul. <laughs> Um, but he, he's like, I really liked that episode. Yeah. And she did it, such a, a good very job. good episode. Yeah. She, um, the burnt toast episode. I know. So yeah, she's a, she was a hot ticket. I like yeah. Um, so enjoy yourselves. Uh, this is Easter week. If you celebrate Easter, happy Easter. If you celebrate Greek Easter, happy Easter. If you don't celebrate anything, happy Easter. <laughs> and we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.